This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. there welcome everyone of you out there to the sonic society number 632 i'm jack ward and i want to give a special hello to my returning co-host david alt i don't know what you mean jack i've been on the sonic society for these last few weeks (laughs) well i've not been anywhere that's a good point it seems like you've not been gone thanks to the miracles of our technology here and podcasting (laughs) but you have been on the road for some time with the no sleep podcast live european and Britain edition. Can you tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. And of course, at the time, Britain was still a part of Europe at that point. But uh, there we go. Uh-huh. Less said about that, the better. Oh, yeah. So, yes, we started off in Brighton down on the south coast and then did a, a whirlwind tour of nine shows and nine days around the UK. Then headed off to the continent and played in Amsterdam, did four shows in Germany, wow. one in Copenhagen and one in Stockholm. And the, that last show, the grand finale, was in front of over 500 people, which was a so much that's amazing you're like 500 people in stockholm 500 but it's it is the largest audience so far for a no sleep live show you have to start doing a fan base (laughs) well apparently um sweden is the now let me get this right i think it's the fourth largest downloader of the no sleep podcast well they do love their horror don't they yes but it's the english language Wow. That uh, so there's obviously not m- as much in the way of Swedish language mm-hmm. horror for them to get their teeth into. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Were you in, when you were in England? I not knowing my English coast very well. Were you around Torquay at all? Yes. Yeah, so we started on the south coast in Brighton. Uh, Torquay is on the south coast, but it's a lot further west. Ah. Uh, it's actually in Devon. Uh, and sort of round a little bit. Mm. The closest we did get was Bristol, which is um, not that far away from it. I just had this image in my head of you guys performing at Faulty Towers. Uh, (laughs) I I thought that would have been a wonderful sort of crossover, but no Uh, such luck. (laughs) (laughs) But no, sadly not. Uh, John Cleese was nowhere to be seen. So how did you make the trip? To the continent, as they say. We were driving in our van. Uh, in fact, we this year uh, for this particular tour, we had a tour manager mm. who did all of our driving, all of our interfacing with the venues and everything. Wow! So that was a huge bonus and a, and a such a uh, such a, a time saver and a hassle saver. He was absolutely brilliant and a really top quality guy as well. Good. And we used the van and went over on the ferry mm. from. Harwich to the Hook of Holland, which then made it very easy to get to Amsterdam. Oh, really? I, here I thought you would have taken the Channel or something, but that only takes you to France, doesn't it? Exactly. So that that would have been one of the options, but because we were going to to Amsterdam next, that was the uh, that was the best place to go to. So, how much time did you have, sort of, in between, you know, uh, your performances? When you there must have been a bit of a jump between that and Amsterdam. Uh, yes, we had a, a day off in the wonderful market town of Colchester, which you can basically look around in about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then that evening, it was it was off to catch the ferry. When it came to the nine shows in nine days, there was very little time wow. to go and see anything. 
it was it was a hugely whistle stop tour of the UK, and and it was a shame because I obviously wanted to show David a little bit more of the country, especially as he'd never been outside of North America. Really. Oh. So it was his first time over over this side of the Atlantic. His eyes must have been super wide the entire time. Oh, it, it was it was lovely. It was it was like seeing um, a child in the biggest sweet shop around because <laughs> uh, he was just sort of looking everywhere and taking photos of the of the architecture and and all the historical stuff. And wow. it just goes to show how much we take for granted of the you know the castles and the stately homes and the cobbled streets and all that kind of thing yeah we we take it for granted Absolutely. Uh, the cathedral which is half a mile from me is 12th century wow uh, okay yeah and <laughs> so. yeah i've got to go myself sometime and and come visit you You've done a, absolutely you've come to visit yes. me enough times. Some when MadCon is gone <laughs> into, the, into the rearview mirror, <laughs> I will start saving my money to to come to England again. I've always wanted to come back, so uh, I haven't been since I was like fifteen. No, no, I was even earlier, thirteen. When I went, you could walk around and touch uh, Stonehenge. So. Ah, yes, yes, because I, I have done that, but because uh, last year we went down to Stonehenge and we went for the solstice. Right. So we saw the, the sunrise on the solstice, uh, and that is the only time of year when you can go and be in the stones right now. So tell me what some of the high points for you, I, without harming any other cities, what was some of the, your like, uh, the most exciting shows that you had? Oh, right. Well, so the show that we did in Glasgow was uh, a lot of fun um, because that took place in an old church, mm. and just being up in Glasgow is, is amazing anyway. But that th- there was a long journey between... London and Glasgow and then Glasgow and Birmingham sure. because of the, the way that it had been rooted. How long does it take to drive there? Because my grandmother comes from not far from Glasgow. Okay. She's from Galashiels. Oh, yes. So, yes. yes. Of course, Scots are a great audience. Wherever oh, they are. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so how, how long was the drive to get there? Uh, it was seven hours, I think, from hmm. seven, seven, eight hours up to, up to Glasgow, which on the grand scheme of... I don't know, crossing Ontario is not very much. Uh, <laughs> True. But, you know uh, what that's like, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. It could take you at least twice that to cross Ontario. More than Absolutely. that, almost two days if you go, yep. <laughs> depending Because I remember going. going from London, Ontario up to the Algonquin, and that was a good five hours. Yes, Absolutely. At least, yes. So <laughs> I am, um, and you know, for me to go back home to Ontario, which is sort of middle Ontario, southern Ontario, so you're not even going up into the mid range stuff like that. From Halifax, it's about twenty three hours, uh, <laughs> and that's just straight driving. You know, so if you drove yeah, straight, it'd be twenty three hours. So you could probably do Lands End to John O'Groats and back in that time. <laughs> so. They do say you could fit. Was it 13 Englands in one of our Great Lakes? So there you go. <laughs> uh, that's, that sounds about right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me, you talked about the Glasgow crowd. So Yep, so so Glasgow was, was a lot of fun. Then uh, other ones which were really good. London, we played in the West End. Oh, lovely. Um, the Leicester Square Theatre, which is on Leicester Square. But you go through a door and you go downstairs and it's this 300-seater basement theatre and it's beautiful it's right in the center but it means that yes we have played on the west end so then uh 
what was another high watermark for you too? Well, there were some other ones like uh, the Amsterdam show was another one that took place in a converted church, but this one was a huge, huge church with uh, it was an old Catholic church, so mm. it was it had all of the decorations and all of the feeling and it, and massive tall ceiling and the the Netherlands crowd was such a lot of fun. They were they were a really nice crowd. Then Copenhagen was a beautiful city. It had all the charm of the Hans Christian Andersen sort of fae kind of feeling, the the fairy tale, uh, but still was a functioning city. But it it was just it just had a, a great deal of charm. Wow! And uh, I would have liked to. I'd, I'd I'd like to go back there. I've always wanted to myself too. I, mm, there's there's mm-hmm. something about some of those uh, Nordic cities that have have mm. a very ancient sort of feel to them that I went. I know Lothar's done a, a lovely tour with his wife and gone all the way through Iceland and all the various different places and had some really ex- oh, yes. exciting experiences himself. Yes. Who was went with you this time and uh, what was their reactions and favorites? Did they have any did they talk about any of them? So we we had uh, obviously the the three of us that have been on every tour. Uh, that's me, David and Brandon. Mm-hmm. Brandon's been over here before and so it was not quite as new to him as it was to David. Right. Uh, then we also had Erica, Erica Sanderson, who was on our first tour. Sorry, our second tour. And she missed out on the last one in, in North America. I wonder if she was very sad about That's that. That's right, so. yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, and then we had, uh, so in the UK, we had Penny Scott Andrews. Hmm. And in the on the continent, we had her husband, Andy Cresswell. Wow. And we also had, uh, when she, there were a couple that she couldn't do, so uh, James Cleveland stepped in to do those three. So that was... Interesting. So we, we basically had quite a quite a, a shifting guest spot, if you like. Yeah. So was that difficult when it came to uh, rehearsal time and stuff like that? Uh, we we had enough time on the road to rehearse. Rehearsed in the in the van somewhere? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had three days um, before our first show anyway to, to do some rehearsing. We managed it. I can't imagine Brandon rehearsing. Well, he's... Uh, yes. <laughs> he, he was so, able to... With the he, music he just recorded happened. Did uh, his his work before, and then it was just a matter of um, ensuring that that played the right um, the right length and had the right, right. Um, you know, did stuff over it, sure. etc. So, oh, I see. Just a sort of yeah, so he improvises on top of what he's composed. Clever. That's really interesting. Oh, he's he's brilliant. He's he's able to pinpoint the mood of a story and get and and be able to perform it really really nicely it's uh it's a thrill to be with him oh that's wonderful so did you, when i was in toronto it was like being at a rock concert afterwards everybody was there get talking to you in lines getting stuff signed it, yep. was that the same in every city <laughs> yes wow absolutely yes we did a meet and greet everywhere even in stockholm with the 500 people we uh, we managed to do a meet and greet though it was uh, that was right. trying to trying to make sure that everyone got filtered the right way and 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 trying to get everything through before the venue got annoyed and asked us to leave. <laughs> so. I, I don't think I could do that. 
David myself. I think like emotionally, I would be so drained after every single performance. It would take me two <laughs> or three days to recover. You know, it's just because I find that when I get with a lot of people, it just it sucks the energy right out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But the you, the thing to remember is that the audience is also giving you a lot of energy because they have they're really excited to come and see the show, especially as it's the first time we've toured in Europe. Yeah, they they were giving us all of their energy. They were so enthusiastic and and, and well up for it. So yes, they it, it's it's a give and take. Okay, so there will be another tour. You think at some point? Well, he's hoping. <laughs> you I, I, I cannot time. see into the tea leaves, unfortunately. But uh... but it left you with such a good taste in your mouth, and and both and David Cummings as well that you guys are interested. Absolutely. I mean, he he saw that it was it was definitely something that could easily be repeated, and and there is an audience, and uh, they are ready for more. Speaking of more, for now, we should get to our new feature. It's <laughs> yes. funny that we talked about Copenhagen and the ideas of Faye because our new feature comes from Final Rune Productions and Fred Greenhalsh. It's entitled Of Faye and Fiends. And instead of getting too deeply into the show, let's have Fred explain it to you now. He has talks about it at the very beginning of this clip. And, you know, it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Hey, this is Fred, creator of The Cleansed and The Dark Tome, and today I'm delighted to share with you the first episode of my new show, A Dark Fairy Tale Cult of Fae and Fiends. I created A Fae and Fiends because most of the stuff I've created is not things I could share with my daughter, who is now seven, and honestly, most of the stuff out there for kids in her age range is sugary and saccharine, and that's just not what we're into. We love a good old-fashioned fairy tale, the kind bound in a leather book from the 1800s with um, kind of yellowed pages where the monsters have teeth, and sometimes bad things do happen to good people, just like the real world. This, combined with some of the uh, old tapes left in my own attic, as it were, uh, transmogrify it into the sometimes scary, often funny, heartfelt story you're about to experience. Of Fae and Fiends has nine episodes, which are all available now as a binge-listening experience on Stitcher Premium. So if you like what you hear, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code FIEND for a free month's trial. Get to immediate access to all of the episodes of A Fae and Fiends, binge listen to the whole thing, as well as other great shows, and also supports my work. That's stitcherpremium.com, promo code FIEND, F-I-E-N-D. Now, I hope you enjoy our journey together on the road to Fae. nine times on the full moon, for instance, and maybe put together a circle of rocks near the old quarry and light a candle with the hair of a horse that only ever walked on three legs. That sort of thing. Well, there were sightings, too. Odd creatures in the dark, mist that seemed to come alive. Chuckling voices, all that stuff. Most of it was people's overactive imaginations, but some of it? Some of it was real. Now, we was just boys back then, Carlo and I. And we were born six months apart to the day. Me in the height of summer, and him in the height of winter. 
We were cousins, but we may as well have been twins. We looked so much alike, and we were that tied together. We ran amok together nearly every day. There were other kids in the village, but in those days there weren't too many cars, so the village felt far away. Carlo's place was only a little walk through the woods. Though we always came my way, and never the opposite. Carlo's family wasn't as well-to-do as ours. His daddy was a fisherman and a mean one at that. And his mom spent her days being quiet and letting him go do whatever he wanted to do. So just about every morning in summer, Carlo would come by. <laughs> We'd find him in the barn, looking around, uh, poking into the root cellar, or even just sitting down at our dining room table. We never thought much of it. We loved Carlo. He was family. So it was on account of this that I never really noticed the gleam in his eyes. The way Carlo always seemed to be on the lookout for something just out of sight. How he seemed to think things that other people had ought to belong to himself. Carlo, like others, had heard the stories about the creatures who lived in the woods, but I guess he never had much luck tracking them down. That's why he needed me. He needed me to show him all the haunts in the forest and the ways of knowing my family always had. The things we did for good luck. The places we laid out treats for the fey folk. The special places in the woods where something just a little extraordinary might come to pass. On the evening of my tenth birthday, which just happened to be the full moon, Carlo and I took to exploring down by the Greenway Spring. Now, you probably know the Greenway Spring is just an empty pit now. The water drained out of it the year after this happened and it never came back. But that night, it was full. My grandpa told me, just like I'm telling you, about how on some special nights, that if you sat quietly at the spring's bank and let the water go flat, and the moon come up and grace its surface, that the water might fall out, and a doorway would open to the land of Fae. Creatures might come through then. Usually something trivial, like a shape-shifting squirrel or an enchanted rabbit. But maybe, every once in a blue moon, if you were lucky, a fairy would come. And if you asked in just the right way, they might deign to grant you a wish. Carlo knew this, I suppose, and he insisted he come along with me on the journey that night. I lay in bed, after Mama Ray sang me to sleep, or so she thought, when in fact I lay wide awake with anticipation till I heard a plank, and then another. Carlo was down below, throwing pebbles at my bedroom window. I snuck out the window into the landing that's above the summer kitchen, then a quick hop over to the maple tree and shimmy down. I was on the ground next to him, sneaking out to the wellspring by the light of the full moon. We made quick work of it, hardly speaking a word the whole time, and maybe if I had, I'd have had a better idea what Carlo was really thinking. We arrived at the well maybe, I'd guess, 10, 11 at night. We sat quietly for the longest time, staring into the rippling water and waiting for the moon to rise. I had a wind-up wristwatch, and I listened intently to the second hand. Tick, tick, tick. A minute would creep by, and then another. All the while, staring at the moon, waiting for... And then it happened. At the stroke of midnight, the rippling water went stock still and slowly. Ever so slowly, something came out. A fairy. And not just any fairy, but the queen of fairy herself... Greetings, young Greenway. Now, there was one rule, my granddaddy said, and that was to never move, lest you spook whatever came through. It was like meeting up with a wild animal. You didn't want to startle it, or it'd run away, or even attack you. But if it saw you, and acknowledged you, then you should go ahead and converse. 
but never make the first move. And never, ever think about hurting the creature. There were powerful forces in fairy. And with one curse, a creature might ruin you and all your descendants in a single breath. So you can imagine my horror when Carlos springs like a beast from his crouched position and muckles on to the Queen of Fairy like a front lineman breaking through and tackling the quarterback. And then, splash. They're in the water, sinking so deep and fast that by the time my muscles work to stand, the surface of the water has already covered them both over and settled in like nothing ever happened. It was just a still night again. The warbling water... The ripples of the moon's reflection, glowing in there like the water trapped its soul. I ran like hell back to the farm and raised a ruckus. Pa came running back with me to the spring while Ma went raising a search party. We dragged up half the village that night with lanterns and flashlights searching the great woods far and wide. The search went on for seven days straight. We even made the state paper. But no one ever laid eyes on Carlo again. The ones who really knew knew we were wasting our time to start. Carlo wasn't in our world anymore. He crossed over into Fay. No one's seen Carlo since that day. Except now I got a feeling in my bones that he's coming soon. It's coming up on 30 years to the day that that happened. And Lizzie, I got a that's feeling mom. something. Lizzie! I told you not to go in the attic. There's loose floorboards in here. What's that you're playing with? Tapes, Mom. Tapes? It was Grandpa. Uh, give me those. Grandpa was sick, Lizzie. That's how we ended up breaking his neck. He said there were fairies. Stop! Jeez, in this house for less than four hours and already talking about fairies. Go downstairs. Can I help clean up? Downstairs, Lizzie. Okay. Oh, I just don't know what he did. It's okay, Lizzie. Hi, Grandma. Mm. I was only looking at old stuff. I'll go talk to her. Is that okay? Mom says you have a bad head. Oh, I'll be fine. Gosh. You shouldn't yell at her, Cherie. Mom, what are you doing up here? Dr. Bronson said those stairs aren't safe. I am trying to calm down my only daughter. Uh, calm me down? Oh, now that's rich. If you want me to calm down, how about you stick to your promises, Mom? She asked me about him. I couldn't lie. We talked about all this. I only agreed to come up here for you. Not to go prying the lids off old family secrets. It's been 30 years to the day, sweetie. Don't! Call me. And I think it's time we remember him. Try to fix what happened. Fix? What are you even talking about? Don't you get it? Th this is what I mean. Well, Cherie, I know it hurts. You always blamed yourself, but it wasn't your fault. Oh, and now you're my therapist. Is that how it is? What? Hello? Oh, well, uh, hello there. You must be little Lizzie. Uh, hi. I'm your great-aunt Debbie. Your grandma told me all about you. Can I come in? Uh, how would you know we were here? Well, <laughs> many other cars with New York license plates show up in Spencer Village. Besides, it's the anniversary of a very big day. I had a feeling you and your mom might come visit. Oh, so 
Can I come in? Uh, I don't know. My grandma and mom are upstairs. And it's just them I want to say hello to. Do you mind? We're all family after all. Uh, okay. Ah, so this is the Greenway Farmhouse Kitchen. Ma always said how fanciful it was, how you all ate on the finest china plates and fine silver. (laughs) Now I see you eat takeout Chinese with plastic forks. What? Hey, Nora! Nora Greenway! Your kissing cousin has come calling. We don't need you, Mom. We have each other. You are part of this, Cherie. Like it or not. I should have known. Every other promise you've made to me, you've broken. Why not this we one? We can make it right. I'm out of here, Mom. Oh, Lizzie! Cherie. Lizzie! Oh. Lizzie, grab your things. We're leaving. Who the hell are you? Don't I look familiar? I'm your Aunt Debbie. Your dad and my brother were cousins. My... Carlo. The boy that went missing. That's right. Sixty years to the day since that happened, and thirty years since your dad had the same I do remember that. Thank you. What are you doing in my house? Your little Lizzie let me in. Lizzie? We're family, Cherie. Cherie? Who's here? And there's your mom. I just mean to have a word with her. Yeah, have a word with... Debbie... Nora. Nora Greenway, are you up in that attic again? You know what I've told you about your bad head. Leave us alone. Get out of this house. Ah! Ah! Oh, Mom! Mom! Oh, Mom! Mom! Oh, Oh, just... just, uh, I have to call 911. Um, Come on. Come on. No service? Stupid, stupid phone dog. Shh. Come, Sheree. I've got the landline. We've had a terrible fall at the Greenway Farmhouse on the Simpson Falls Road. I don't know a Greenway place. Yes, it was Nora. I'll be there in ten minutes. Okay. They're on their way. They said not to move her. Okay, Okay. Mom. Mom, please. Thank you, Debbie, thank you. Don't think anything of it, Cherie. After all, we are family. Once upon a nearby time, there was a girl named Lizzie who lived in a place called New York City but came to Maine with her mom to mark an important anniversary. But things didn't go as they planned. Lizzie's grandma, Nora, got hurt, and two men and a lady came in a flashing red ambulance to take grandma away. Grandma, is she going to be okay? Please move aside, ma'am. Is she going to be okay? You can follow the ambulance. Mike, she can ride with me. You sure? Would that work for you, ma'am? Oh, Lizzie, um, can I bring my daughter? Uh... Oh, she can stay with me. What? The hospital is a scary place for a little girl. Yeah, listen, your aunt's right. You can run around to the hospital later, right, Dad? Of course. Look, all right, we need to hurry. Doc Bronson's already on his way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie, you take care. Sure, Mom. Whatever you do, don't go exploring around this old house. It's dangerous. 
Okay, Mom, I promise. Uh, you still have your cell phone on you? Yes. Oh, shoot, that's not gonna do any good, is it? There's no service around here. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll call the landline phone. Do you know what that is? Yes, Mom. <laughs> I love you. I love you, too. Lizzie's mom told her not to go exploring. But that was impossible, right? How could a little girl from New York not go exploring all the gigantic rooms of that huge big house? Especially with her great Aunt Debbie egging her on. What's this room? Go see. <gasps> it's full of books. That's the Greenway family for you. So wealthy, they have a whole room with nothing but books in it. And a piano. <gasps> Maybe not the piano, dear. I take lessons. That's a player piano. Look here. Neat. <sighs> so many treasures they have. Those Greenways. Why do you keep saying those? Aren't you family? A different line, sweetie. My family has a farmhouse on the other side of the wood. It's not like this one at all. Yeah? What makes it different? Our fields have never grown so rich as yours, for one. We've never had such fortune. Terrible things happen to us. Like what? Lizzie, how old are you? Ten. Ten. See, that's the age my brother went playing in the woods and never came back. Oh, was his name Carlo? It was. How do you know that? Wait, I'll guess. You found some tapes hiding in the old box attic. Yeah. Mm, no wonder your mom was in such a state. She never forgave herself for what happened to her what? dad, your granddad. She never talks about it. Guilt will do that to you, just like it did to her dad. My folks suspected he never forgave himself for what happened when he was a boy, how Carlo went missing. Do you think that? Oh, it was an accident, sweetie. Like how Grandma fell down the stairs? Exactly. Now, are you ready to go find the goat? Wait, what? Grandma has a goat? Oh, yes. And he is a most extraordinary goat. Why is that? Because he showed up when your mom was about your age. And he hasn't aged a day. <laughs> Silly. Goats don't live that long. Even I know that. Do you now? Let's show and tell you then. Are you coming? Mom said to stay near the telephone to let me know what happened to Grandma. We'll only be a minute, dear. It'll be over before you know it. Maybe Lizzie should have said no. But grown-ups have quite a lot of power over kids, and so instead of saying any of the thoughts that were on her mind, Lizzie just nodded and followed Aunt Debbie out of the room with all of the books, through the farmhouse kitchen, and out a back door into a narrow passageway filled with piles and piles of old stuff. Lizzie was full of all kinds of funny feelings, bad ones because of what happened to Grandma, but also curious ones because she was trying to understand what was going on. Aunt Debbie? Yes, dear? Where did the go come from? What kind?
kind of question is that? From a mommy and daddy goat, of course. But why would my mom never tell me about him if she had him her whole life? You're asking the wrong person, dear. But But if I were to guess, it's because he showed up the day your granddad died. Wait, the goat had something to do with my granddad? You sure do ask a lot of questions, dear. How about you be a good girl and help me catch him? Then you'll have all the answers you'll ever need to know. The passage ends with a regular-sized door, an old one, that opens up into the goat barn. It's dark in there. The only light coming in from a window way up top, where the full moon is flooding in, catching on old farm tools and making shadows that look like monsters. Smells like hay and poop. Lizzie is about to say that, but then Aunt Debbie starts acting even weirder. First sign, Aunt Debbie grabs a shovel. I'll need one of these. Where's that goat? As I suspected, he broke right out of his pen. Good thing I locked the barn doors now, isn't it? Couldn't have gone too far. Hey! Hey, little goat! Goat! Come on. Come on, little buddy. I'm not here to hurt you. You'll hardly feel anything. Sign number two. Debbie's not holding a shovel the way you hold a shovel to dig things. She's holding it like a weapon. The sharp edge of the spade facing the ceiling. Lizzie, darling, make yourself useful. Grab that coffee can and fill it with grain. Uh, you want what's in here? Yes, that's the grain bin. Go on. Hey, goat! Hey, goaty goat goat! I've got a real authentic Greenway girl here for you. She's going to give you your supper. Sign number three. There's a look in Aunt Debbie's eyes. A bad look. Lizzie has seen that look before. It comes right before bad things happen. And that's when she hears it. Get out! Now, Aunt Debbie, all she hears is the brah of the goat. But little Lizzie, she hears something else. Oh, it's over there? Get out! What? <laughs> Lizzie, what's wrong with you, girl? But where? Where are you? Hey, Lizzie, he's talking to you? What's he saying? He wants out. We can help him with that, can't we? I I don't, I don't know. This is so confusing. Come on out, Goaty Goat. Lizzie and I would love to get you on your way, wouldn't we, dear? Goats don't talk. This one does. Come on, show your face, Calendrial. Time to get this show on the road. This is when Lizzie notices a glimmer out of the corner of the barn, a little bit of moonlight catching in the eye of a living creature, the goat. And then the strangest thing seems to happen. The goat winks at her, like it's the most obvious thing, like he isn't an animal at all, but a person, like her. Aunt Debbie glances over, sees where Lizzie is staring, and then she rushes forward with the shovel. Hiding in the corner. Calendrial, you come out here, you rotten bugger! Lizzie raises her hands to her mouth, about to shriek to warn the goat about her crazy aunt, but no! The goat moves quickly. He jumps back on his hind legs and launches forward at Debbie. Ah! Ah! 
wonders why the goat's not running away, but then remembers what Aunt Debbie said. The big front doors of the barn are closed, locked from the outside. The goat bashes as he might, but he can't get them open, and Aunt Debbie is rushing at him again. This ends tonight, Calindriel, like you always knew it would. Lizzie runs forward to the opposite side of the barn, not to the big sliding barn doors, but to the small doorway they use to come in from the farmhouse. This way! It seems crazy to Lizzie, this idea of talking to a goat, but she doesn't even stop to look back and see if he's following. She just shoves the door open and starts running. This way! Oh, coming! I see the door! Oh, thank goodness! She's only been through the house once, but the layout is easy enough to remember. The connecting hallway brings them from the barn to the kitchen. It's only a quick run from the kitchen to the front door. But then the phone rings, freezing Lizzie in her tracks. Quick! Oh no, Grandma. Come on, come on, we need to go. I I can't, it's about Grandma. How long has the phone been ringing? Or how much longer will it ring? Lizzie knows they need to escape, but she can't not know. Mom? What took you so long, Lizzie? You nearly gave me a heart attack. I was out in the barn, Mom, with Aunt Debbie, looking for your goat. Like, goat? What goat? Lizzie, what Never you... mind. How's Grandma? Not good. Is she... She's alive, Lizzie. She's asleep. She's in a deep sleep. She's not talking. They don't know how long she'll be asleep like this. It's probably... You should get over here. Can you have your Aunt Debbie back you? Nope, sorry, Mom. I gotta go now. I was trying to be nice, but not anymore. (laughs) Someone's dying tonight. Who'll be first? Aunt Debbie doesn't have a shovel anymore. She has a sickle, the old-fashioned curved blade they use to cut down wheat. The blade might be old, but it's still very sharp. Stop! Stop! Lizzie darts off, not toward the porch or back to the barn, but instead to the living room, deeper into the farmhouse. Don't you be a nasty little girl. Come to your auntie! Even though this is her very first night in this house, she knows the map of it perfectly in her brain. It's like she's been here a thousand times, lived a thousand lives in it. And it's that sense, that vague, deeper thing inside of her, that guides her into the room with all the books again, into the player piano. Player piano, player piano. There's something about the player piano. Um, I'll be home for Christmas. The piano keys roll up into themselves, spin around and disappear, and leave behind a stairway. Whoa! Lizzie wastes no time rushing down them and out into the yard behind the farmhouse. Lizzie, are you hiding? Where's that girl? Hello? Hello? Lizzie! 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 Oh my god. Time to go! Quick! The goat bows slightly 
and Lizzie, hardly realizing what she's doing, leaps upon his back. They're off. The goat starts running like all the hounds of hell are after him. A snaking path that goes out from behind the barn, crosses a rotting fence into a paddock, overgrown with grass so thick it pulls at Lizzie like fingers as they run through them. Strangely, she's not scared. Her fingers hold the goat's fur tight, and it's so warm. It gives her comfort, but they're not out of the woods yet. In fact, they're just entering the woods. Ah, ah. Where are we going? Just about to figure that out. Me, me, me. What are you doing? Ah, shh. Thank you, Brother Squirrel. So things have moved around a bit since I was here last. The woods are dying and overgrown, but Squirrel assures me there's another path other than the wellspring, which, believe you me, we do not want to use unless we want your great uncle to catch us instantaneously. So I, uh, I, uh, hmm, I think it's over here. Oh, darn. Oh, uh. Lizzie, do you know which direction is north? You don't know which way is north? Your directions are always a little opposite from my world. It's confusing. Oh, Daddy, my mom left me my cell phone. It'll tell us. It's the... that way. Cool. That's a very strange-looking magic wand. It's not a magic wand. Okay. Whatever you say. Just let's keep going. Lizzie and the goat ride further into the forest, their way lit by the full moon, the great big fat full moon of midsummer. Quick, Lizzie, this way! Quick, nine times round, Witterson, let's go! What? What? One! One! Faster! Two! Two! Oh! She's coming! Three! Three! into words what happens next. It's like fireworks going off at the 4th of July and maybe flying all at the same time. But flying in a falling kind of way, tumbling as the world around Lizzie seems to find a new shape for itself. And suddenly... What's happening? Uh, uh, The tree roots aren't as strong as they're supposed to be. Oh, they're bending. What does that mean? It means we're not going exactly where I wanted us to go. Ah! Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that hurt. So much damage in so few years. Well, there's good news and bad news. Yeah? Let's start with the good news. Yeah, good news. Uh, good news. Your aunt won't be following us with her sickle. <laughs> Great. 
great. And the bad news? Much of Fay has turned to Badlands in the years since I was here. When I left, this was still part of the Great Forest, and now the Great Forest has receded to I I, I can't even see it from here. Badlands? What's a uh kind of looks like New Mexico. New Mexico? A place I went with my mom once. Lots of deserts and plateaus and stuff. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Deserts is close enough. Magic is our water here, and as magic grows weaker, the forest recedes like water in a drought. But there are trees all around us. Yeah, that's the really bad news. These aren't living trees, Lizzie. Look at them. They're ghoul trees. Ghoul trees? That sounds bad. It is. Ah! Something grabbed me! Yeah, they do that. If we're lucky, one thing won't have happened. What? They won't have attracted a troll. <laughs> Did I hear someone who wants to meet our troll? Welcome to the ghoul tree forest, little girl. Withershins will be most delighted to have you. Just after he finishes his goat appetizer. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the first episode of A Fae and Fiends. To hear the rest of the show, go to stitcherpremium.com and use promo code FIEND for one month free trial of Stitcher Premium. That's stitcherpremium.com, promo code FIEND, F-I-E-N-D. Or check out feyfiends.com, that's Faye, F-A-E, fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S, dot com for episode art, behind-the-scenes photos, and more. And for those of you who want the complete ad-free release of A Fae and Fiends, well, be patient, it will appear on this feed after our windowing period with Stitcher Premium expires. Our arrangement with Stitcher allows us to offer our shows free of charge, ad-free, after they have an initial run as a premium feed show. So stay tuned here for that, and thanks again for listening and supporting my work. And that's this week's show. Please check out the show notes for more of Fay and Fiends. Until next week, when we have a ball buffeting about, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. Have a lovely morning. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production.
Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallwake, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.